Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When I close my eyes, I see this thing. It's like this big sign. And the name is in like bright blue neon lights with like purple outline. And this name is just so bright and so sharp that the sign... It just blows up because the name is just so powerful. Softy. All right, baby, here we go. I think we're coming. I think we're getting there. Hot water, honey, tea, the whole thing. We're on the road to recovery. You sound less like Baird. Do I sound better than I did at this time yesterday? A little bit. Or am I making maybe a slight comeback? uh, A little bit. Look, I I would say it's no longer a legit injury that we're dealing with. It's just something we need to keep an eye on. Well, it's now I'm just hurt. right? I mean, everybody this time of year is hurt. Yeah. Are you hurt or are you injured? Yeah, we're we're all hurt. Yeah. We're all hurt. We're all hurt. I got a boo-boo is what I got. It's better than having a... I can fight through it. Better than having a what? Nothing. Well, go ahead. Finish your sentence. We're all curious to know what the hell you were talking about. No, I don't know. All right, 305. (laughs) We got a lot to get to on the radio show. So I'm thinking, first of all, I'm all messed up. I mean, it's Tuesday, but it's really Wednesday, yada, yada, yada. It's amazing. And I don't know if people that don't work in the industry that you and I are lucky enough to work in, the Mm -hmm. sports business slash media industry, have their calendars set to work around sporting events, okay? I mean, I do. You know, the wife wants to know what's happening this weekend. What time do you have to be at the Emerald Queen? Are you hanging around for the Patriot-Texan game after the Seahawks-Falcon game? Which I heard you are. answer is yes, Ah. by the way. So whatever you want to get done, sweetheart, we have to get done on Sunday. But there's also a game at 10 o'clock and a game at (laughs) 1.30 that I'm going to want to watch. So basically... You've got me up until about 11.30 or so Saturday when I take off for the Emerald Queen and then maybe around 4.30, 5 o'clock on Sunday night. Sunday evening for a little bit. Outside of that, I'm out. Don't talk to me. All right? (laughs) So all of our schedules are all messed up. They all kind of work around what the Seahawks are doing. So today is Tuesday, but it's really a Wednesday. Tomorrow is Wednesday, but it's really a Thursday, although we'll be at the VMAC tomorrow for our typical Wednesday show starting at 3 o'clock. So I was in the locker room today, and I'm walking around the locker room, I'm asking all these players, hey, man, do you think about what happened four years ago? Is it in the back of your mind? First of all, let me ask you this. You're always a pretty good judge of this type of stuff. Oh, boy. Is it ridiculous? Is it a stupid topic and a silly conversation for me to even go up to guys like Doug Baldwin, K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Jeremy Lane, Jermaine Kirst, whoever, sure. guys that were in that game four years ago. Eleven guys played in that game that played this year. Or right. Like well, yeah. there's – um. There's 12 guys that I identified, and it may be 13, that were on the roster then. Roster, right. That are on the team now. For example, Stephen Houchke did not play in that game. He was hurt. Ryan Longwell was the kicker. They signed him just for that game. Mm -hmm. So Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, Wagner, KJ's four. Sherman, Earl, Cam, Lane is eight. John Ryan, Jerron Johnson, Deshaun Shedd, Stephen Houch, get 12 guys. Right. So 12 guys on the roster right now that we're here. So there's only, you know, not even a quarter of the roster that you could go to to ask about that game. Is it ridiculous for me to even ask the players that were there four years ago? 
if that game is in the back of their head and does it provide any extra kind of oomph before this game on Saturday? I think as long as you accept the answer when they say it's not in our mind, right. then you can right. you can ask it, but you need to move on when they say no. Because that, yeah. it's so – I mean, you just think about the difference in the team and the difference oh, in them. And that, totally. Look, it, you talk about how much an individual can change in four years. How – how much have things changed in the last four years for the people right. listening? It's just you're different people. Well, just think about the defensive players that were on the team that day that were playing in that game. First of all, you remember the biggest news defensively was Chris Clemens was hurt, so Bruce Irvin got the start, mm-hmm. and he was horrible yeah. that day. I mean, couldn't do anything that day against the Atlanta defense. He was a rookie that year, just like Russell was, so maybe it was a bit unfair, or the Atlanta offense, excuse me, he was a rookie, so maybe a bit unfair, but... Those defensive players that were there, Gus Bradley was their defensive coordinator. Yeah. They are now on their third defensive coordinator <laughs> amazing. in four years since that game, right? I mean, yeah. Dan Quinn takes over. He comes here for two years. Chris Richard takes over. He's now in year two. So these guys are on their third different defensive coordinator since that game. Gus Bradley was the coach that day. Obviously, Atlanta uh, looks a lot different. Roddy White was there. He's now retired. Tony Gonzalez was there. He's now retired. Uh, different animal on defense, different animal on offense. I mean, there's not a lot of guys out of the 106 players that were on both rosters uh, for that game and what the the, uh, the 94 guys that were active that day, you might have 20 players left from that game four years ago. Yeah. But I bring it up, and when I talk to guys, and you're right, okay, first of all, you're right. When you're right, you're right. Every player that I talked to in the locker room today about that game, All of them said to a man, they're not thinking about it at all. And they only think about it when dipsticks like me bring it up, okay? Not a factor. K.J. Wright even went out of his way to mention how many guys are gone from the Falcons team, not just his team. So I believe them when they say that they don't think about it, it's not a factor, because it shouldn't be a factor. I mean, the only factor should be beating this team that they've got in front of them on Saturday. But from a fan's perspective, I think we can look at it a little bit differently. First of all, I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing, and who I was standing next to. I was at the Dub Pub in Kirkland, and we're doing a, a, a viewing party for the Seahawks game, and I was standing next to Brian Nemhauser, otherwise known as Hawk Blogger from hawkblogger.com, and I was standing up to the left of the big screen TV, right by the bar, jumping up and down, going crazy, pulling for Russell Wilson to pull off the comeback, and when Marshawn Lynch barreled through the defensive line across the goal line for that touchdown. Um, The place just went bananas, went berserk. I mean, they're down 20 zip in that game. Nobody thinks they're coming back. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they're pulling off what looked like at that point with 31 seconds left to go, the greatest comeback in Seahawk history because it was in the playoffs. They've had comebacks before in the regular season, but being down 20 points in the postseason, coming back and getting the win – Unbelievable. And then you remember Matt Bryant, before he made the game winner, actually lines up for the game winner, executes the kick, misses it, but Pete Carroll called timeout to ice him. So he gets a second shot, and he drains it, and the Falcons win the game. So that game for me was horrible. The ending was awful. The comeback was amazing. The feeling I had when Marshawn scored that touchdown to go ahead was unbelievable. But the way it ended, and if you would have told me on that afternoon when I went home, I mean, dude, I was 40, I was 39 years old, and I go home and I'm freaking crying, man. I'm in tears. I'm, I'm, I'm literally heartbroken over what happened that day. And if you would have walked up to me and said, hey, Softy, don't worry about it. 
this is fine because the Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl the following season. I'm not sure if I would have bought it. Maybe I would have bought it, but I was so emotional, I probably wouldn't have even thought about that. Sometimes it's better not to try to reason yeah. when, when, uh, with you when you're emotional. No, there's no doubt. I, I mean, I'm, I'm like a chick. I really am. I'm like a, like a, like a babbling freaking little girl when things like that happen. <laughs> a sniveling idiot when things like that happen. But for me, it is a factor this Saturday. It is a factor. Because I think it's very few and far between, Kevin, when number one, you can get true revenge in the National Football League. For example, Clemson last night, let's face it, they got the true essence of revenge on Alabama. Yep. They lost to them in the National Championship game a year ago, come, came back, and they beat them last night. And we'll talk more about that game as the show goes on. I got some thoughts from a Husky perspective. Ryan Fowler will give us the Alabama side at 4 o'clock. But they got true revenge. And maybe it's not true revenge because a lot of players were gone or, or, excuse me, are gone from that team. But I just think from, a, from my perspective, from a fan's perspective, going down to Atlanta and being able to close the circle and four years later get that win maybe exercise the demons a little bit of what happened four years ago. Hey, the Super Bowl the next year was unbelievable. The Super Bowl run two years later was awesome. The fact that this team has now been in the elite eight of the NFL five years in a row, only one team's got a longer streak, and that's Tom Brady and the Patriots. I think all that stuff is awesome. But they always say the losses in a lot of ways stick with you more than the wins do. And that loss, for whatever reason, still sticks with me today. I mean, I've got video. I'm, I'm, I'm literally filming the big screen at the Dub Pub yeah. when Marshawn scored the game-winning touchdown. I think we've played the audio on the air before. Yep. I still have that video on my computer four years later. Did you and say I, the game-winning touchdown? No, uh, the uh, go-ahead touchdown. <laughs> and I, I love looking at it. I mean, just that moment, man. It's like there's these little moments where the Huskies, for example, when they went up 7 nothing on Alabama, okay? I gave Millen the iPad that I have because he uses it to tape all the plays from the press box. Right. Actually has like a little, you know, 12-inch tripod that he puts the iPad on. Yeah. So he tapes all the plays so he can talk about them and know what he's talking about when the game's over on the postgame show. So he gives me my iPad back after he's done watching all the plays, and I'm watching Dante's touchdown from the press box perspective, and in the upper half of the screen in the background, you see all the Husky fans yeah. in the crowd going bananas. And I love that. It's a great moment. I love watching that moment, and I love watching Marshawn's go-ahead touchdown against Atlanta. So I want this bad. I want to finish it this time. And you know what I would love? I would love to see the same type of game that we saw four years ago. I know a lot of people out there think I'm crazy and would rather see a blowout. And, hey, if that's the way things happen, the Hawks win 45-10, to 10, then great. But I think it would be unbelievable to see the Seahawks go down to Atlanta play a tight game against the Falcons, get that go-ahead touchdown, and then have the defense go back on the field. And this time, this time, instead of letting Matt Ryan and the Falcons drive for the game-winning field goal, they stop him. And they leave Atlanta with a victory four years later after knock, after losing to him in the Georgia Dome in the same damn setting. What? That's what I'm looking at right now. Maybe it's corny. Maybe it's ridiculous. Maybe it's irrelevant. But to me, as an emotional fan, 
Uh, I, I I just think this opportunity for the Hawks is awesome. I mean, the players can't the, the players can't look back at that and focus on that because it's so different. And any time they would spend focusing on that would mean time that they aren't focusing on this year's team, something that would actually be relevant to the result of this year's game. But I bet when we talk to people from Atlanta this week, and we'll we'll go there a couple times, they're going to talk about it. It still matters to them. They still remember that. That was a big game for them. Is that not Matt Ryan's care? only playoff victory? I think. Was that game against the Seahawks? Wow, I think I bet, I bet you it was. Yeah, I, I bet, bet you're right. You it was I bet you're right. Yeah. So look, that's it was still an important game, and I think as you talk about the the the, the way that this franchise has gone over the last few years, that was a pivotal moment. That yeah. was that was that helped to shape this team and w- the way they've gone over these last th- this era of Pete Carroll. So I think it it does matter, and if and when they win. I think they would probably admit to you that, yeah, you know what? Yeah. It does feel good to get that and to kind of feel right. that. after the game. Yeah. But they won't talk about it now. But it's not. Yeah. But, I mean, they, right. they, they can use it later kind of to say, yeah, you know, we drew a little emotion. And when, you know, if it does come down to the fourth quarter and they do have that moment where it all matters, where it comes down to one moment and it kind of gives them a little more oomph. Yeah. Into that moment, right. yeah, I think right. that could matter. But ultimately, obviously, they can't admit that. Well, Matt Ryan, that was his so far one and only playoff victory. Was in the divisional game in the 2012 season, wow. January 13th. So literally, the game is on Saturday. We're talking uh, four years ago on Friday hmm. is the last time Matt Ryan won a playoff game. The only playoff game in his career. That was the only year that Matt Ryan uh advanced to the conference championship game they they lost a uh first round game in 2008 lost their first playoff game in 2010 lost their first playoff game in 2008 i mean look i mean matt ryan is obviously phenomenal and maybe the career postseason numbers have nothing to do with the matt ryan that we're seeing right now the guy's an mvp candidate there's no question about it how many playoff games has he played, he's played in five playoff games total he's got a passer rating of 85.2 so you, you can't you can't judge a guy okay. in five games well 85.2 i mean so far matt ryan is the guy who's only won one playoff game and you wonder if the, the, the this is where i would disagree with you this is where I wonder if this stuff actually matters on game day maybe we'll talk to millen about this at 6 p.m. if the falcons fall behind and he's playing poor He's playing terrible football, and they're down 17-3 to at halftime like they were in the first game okay. in, in week six. The Falcons came here. I got the notes in front of me. Where the hell are they? They were down 17-3 to at halftime. Atlanta was down 17-3 at halftime. Falcons had 86 yards of offense. Okay. Matt Ryan was 11-17 for 83 yards, and they were going nowhere. Hmm. If they get to that point in the fourth quarter and Matt Ryan's not playing well, and maybe they're within 10 points, maybe two scores, is he going to start to press? Is he going to start to hear boos from the crowd? Are the Falcon fans going to start busting his balls that, hey, you had this great regular season, but just like 2008, just like 2010, and just like 2011, you're not getting it done. I'll you're not s- delivering come playoff time. I wonder if those if those ghosts may creep into his brain. I think it's possible when you bring in the fan factor and that they would, because he does have that, and I, I would say you can't judge a guy in four games when he's put together a career of right, being really right. good. But right. I think you you're right. I mean, how often do we hear, unless they're always lying, how often do we hear how important the fans are in these games and they give you the oh, energy you need? Huge. And if they huge. start sucking energy away because right. he's having a right. first half and right. all of a sudden they boo him on the way out right. and he goes in and has those 12 minutes of halftime and he's like, man, i got to pull this together. I can't believe I'm struggling. Yeah. I, that, that I'll give you a little bit of credit for. I, I think that is possible. 
Yeah, I think I think that is possible. But if if the fans can have a positive effect on the team on the field, right. then right. to say that they can't have a negative effect, I just don't think that's fair. No, I totally agree with so, that. And look, I mean, this is this probably falls into the category of minutia. To be honest with you, the kind of stuff that you talk about when you got a week to get ready for one game, you know, play uh, NBA playoffs, major league playoffs, a game every other day, whatever, yada yada yada. You can reset the topics, but I I just think that in a game like this, where you've got two pretty experienced football teams, I mean, obviously the Seahawks have some young aspects of their team, the offensive line being the obvious one, but two quarterbacks that have been here before. They're both in the postseason. Uh, you got wide receivers that have been here before, defensive backs for the most part that have been here before. I mean, this this Falcon team, though, they have not played in a playoff game since they lost to the Niners in 2012. What I would love to mm. know is how many guys besides Matt Ryan and Julio Jones were on that football team four years ago, and is that going to be a factor for the Falcons if things get tight in this game on Saturday. Now, Matt Ryan, the last time he was in the postseason, he played pretty well. Uh, 24-35, 69%, 250, three touchdowns uh, against the Hawks. Did have a couple of picks, passer rating of 94. And the conference championship against Colin Kaepernick and the Niners, he was 30-42, of 42, 72%, 396, three touchdowns a pick, passer rating of 115.8. What I'm looking for is the Matt Ryan that I saw against Arizona in 2008, the Matt Ryan that I saw against Green Bay in 2010, and the Matt Ryan that I saw in 2011 against the Giants. And I can hear somebody out there saying, well, that's not going to happen because that's not the Matt Ryan we're seeing right now. Well, maybe not. But what I'll say is this, and maybe this is the homer in me. Maybe this is the Seahawk fan in me coming out just grasping for straws, looking for positives, ignoring the negatives. For three of the four quarters, the last time these two teams played, which was a win for the Seahawks back in week six, okay? For three of those four quarters, Matt Ryan did nothing. It was the third quarter. You remember the third quarter when Levine Toilolo got wide open, Julio Jones got wide open, Sherman's bitching at Chris Richard. They're not communicating. They're breaking down. Nobody knows where to go, yada, yada, yada. In that quarter, Matt Ryan was 13 of 17 for 220 and three touchdowns. In the third alone, 12.9 yards per attempt in the third quarter, which is ridiculous. The other three quarters, 14 to 25, a buck 15 at a pick, and 4.6 yards per attempt. So, look, who knows, man? For all I know, Matt Ryan comes out there on Saturday and slices this defense up. But I like my chances. I like my defense against the best offenses in football. And we said this yesterday, and this is a conversation we kind of first started having when the Seahawks played the Niners in the NFC Championship game, that when the great defense faces the great offense, it's usually the great defense that gets the upper hand. So here's what I want to ask you guys next segment. First of all, Doug Baldwin, we're going to hear from Doug at 345 on the radio show. I want to come back at a ton of your calls next segment at 286-9595 and 800-829-0950. I asked this question three years ago. I asked this question Four years ago. I may have asked this question two years ago, and I may have asked it last year. This time of the year, I find myself asking the same question over and over again because I think it applies. As a Seahawks fan right now, what side of the ball do you have more confidence in? The Seahawks putting up points on the 25th best defense in the NFL, 
after they ran for 177 yards against the Lions a week ago? You got more confidence in the offense getting the job done, or do you have more confidence in the defense showing up, holding these guys down to a manageable point level where the offense is not going to have to do a lot to win the game? I'll tell you next what side of the ball I have more confidence in and why. I want to get your thoughts on it. 286-9595 and 800-829-0950. Simply put, as a Seahawks fan, what side of the football do you believe in more in this game? Offense or defense? Your thoughts coming up next. Dave Softy Muller on your home for the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl 51. Seattle's Sports Radio 950. KJR. All right, from the Carter Volkswagen studio, way early Twitter poll result. Just posted during the break. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Oh, Seahawks fans, what side of the ball do you have more confidence in versus Atlanta? 57% defense, 43% offense, and we're just about 190 votes in. Interesting. So we'll see. we get some of your phone calls at 286-9595-800-829-0950. Who do you trust more right now? Russell Wilson in the offense or Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Richard Sherman? And the defense. You're going to hear from Doug Baldwin coming up 345, by the way. Ryan Fowler from the Tide, 1029 in Tuscaloosa, boy. After the Alabama Crimson Tide get beat by Clemson last night for the national championship. We'll talk to Ryan about that at 4 o'clock. Right now, though, your phone calls at 286-9595 and 800-829-0950. Hawk fans, I want to get your thoughts on what side of the ball you trust more right now. Defense to get the job done against Matty Ice or the offense on Saturday. Tyler, you're on the air. Go ahead, man. How are you, pal? Zach, you're doing great. How are you? Thanks for taking the call. You bet. And if, you know you're doing great. Go uh, Hawks, baby, first and foremost. Love it. Love the defense. LOV all day. You can't stop us, all right? We're healthy right now. we got swagger. We have more swagger than defense in this entire league. It doesn't matter. We carry it from the Super Bowl, Super Bowl area in time. Uh, that pass rush cannot be stopped. Matt Ryan's going to have a tough time all day when he's on his, when he's on his rear trying to throw to Julio. you got some new, all those guys. They're going to get shut down. Without ET, you know, it doesn't matter. We have our defense. We have our defense. I love the matchup this week. Okay. Uh, 25th rank, like you said. Uh, you know, for their defense, our defense, obviously, top five all day, any day. I'd say one every day. Uh, love the matchup. We're going we're to roll. Uh, I think it's actually going to be a little, a little bigger game than people think, but I trust our defense all day, every day. Go Hawks, baby. Bye. All right, man. Appreciate the call. I think, I think some people would say, okay, that's nice that you trust the defense. I love the positive attitude. First of all, uh, not having Earl to just dismiss that is ridiculous. I think we all agree with that. However, as I asked Pete Carroll today, uh, Stephen Terrell has been starting now ever since, what was it, the game after the Carolina game? Because that's the game Earl got hurt in. Mm-hmm. On Sunday night was the Panther game. So how many games ago was that for the Seahawks? I have their schedule right in front of me right now. So he has played in 
uh, yada, 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 one, two, three, four, uh, four games, and now this will be his fifth start. So it's a different deal. This is five weeks later. Stephen Terrell, you would expect, is not the same kind of guy that he was five weeks ago when he came in in the Packer game, and immediately Green Bay puts up 38 points on the Seahawks. And I would also say that for all the people out there that are wondering about the defense, the 38 points, four drives in that game against Green Bay started inside the Seahawks 50-yard line because the defense was, or the offense was giving the ball away like it was the eighth day of Hanukkah. Russell Wilson had, what, six picks in that game? Is that right? How many picks did Russell Wilson have in the Packer game? Uh, I think it was six. Uh, was it? I'm pretty sure it was six picks, five, five interceptions in that game. So I kind of throw that one out. The Arizona game is obviously concerning, and it still irritates me today that we're sitting here talking about not having this game at home when all you had to do was beat Arizona, a team that was going nowhere, and you would have been hosting this game with a home game away from making the NFC Championship. But let me throw something else at you. And we can grab more of your phone calls right now as well at 286-9595 and 800-829-0950. What side of the ball, simply put, do you have more confidence in in this game on Saturday? The Atlanta offense. I went game by game by game and looked at what they did when they faced top half of the NFL defenses, top-tier defenses. For example, they played Tampa Bay. They were 23rd. They scored 24. They lose the game in the opener. Then they faced the Raiders at 26. They put up 35. They face the Saints at 27. This is total defensive ranking overall. They score 45. They face Carolina, number 21 in total defense in the NFL. They put up 48. And then, oh, look at this. Look what happens here. They face Denver, number four in the NFL, and they put up 23. The next week, they face the Hawks at number five overall in the NFL at the end of the year in total defense. They score 24, and they lose the game. They play San Diego at 16. They put up 30, and they lose in overtime. Green Bay at 22. They put up 33. Tampa Bay at 23 again. They put up 43 in the rematch. But then, look at this. They play your Philadelphia Eagles at 13th overall in the NFL in total defense, and they get held to 15 points in that game. That's one, two, three top 13, top 15 defenses in the NFL where Atlanta scored 23, 24, and 15 points in the first 10 weeks of the regular season. They did face some decent defenses, obviously Arizona in Week 12. Arizona, people may not even know this, they were number two in the NFL in total defense. But by the time they faced them in Week 12, maybe kind of mailing it in, going nowhere, still makes you again wonder why the Hawks can get it done, but whatever. They scored 38 in that game. They faced the Rams at number 9 in Week 14. They've already made the switch to Jared Goff. The players are all pissed off and annoyed. They score 42. So I don't want to belittle. I don't want to belittle what the Falcons' offense did at all this year. But I'm here to tell you right now, they can be shut down. And they have been shut down. And really, if you want proof of that, go look at the three quarters they played in week six in Seattle. Carl in Tacoma. You're on the air, Carl. Go ahead, pal. What's going on? Hey, if the Hawks can play this weekend like they did last weekend, my confidence is in the offense. Really? You got more confidence in the offense, who hasn't really done much all year long, versus a defense that finished, uh, what, number five in the NFL in total defense? 
hey, the offense is coming on hot. Rawls is coming on hot. So let's ride that, baby. Let's ride that this weekend. Well, I hope so, man. I just think it's uh, the NFL is so damn weird to me. It really is. I mean, football is weird. The whole freaking thing is is amazing how one team can look so terrible one week against an awful football team and then bounce back the week later in a playoff game against a team playing for its life and pound the ball down their throat for four quarters. How does that happen? I mean, we just got done talking about this yesterday, that you play San Francisco, and after the game's over, all we're doing is sitting here saying, well, if you can't run the ball on the Niners, who are historically bad rushing defense-wise, what makes you think they'll run the ball on the Lions? Well, they did that. And now we're saying, well, if they can run the ball on the Lions, they should be able to run the ball on Atlanta. I mean, look, Atlanta's defense, for as big a background in defense as Dan Quinn's got, they're still 25th overall in the NFL in total D, and they're 28th in the NFL in passing defense, and they're 17th in the NFL in run defense, and they're 26th on third down defensively, and they're 22nd in the NFL in opposing passer rating at 93. So, look, if this offense really did take a step last week versus Detroit, and if we really are starting to see the offense that we saw Last year, and I talked to Luke Wilson about that today, his direct quote to me off the air was, it felt like us. It looked like us out there running the football the way we did. So if they truly have taken a step, then you'll see it again this weekend on Saturday. It's really hard, by the way, to get a point across when you sound like you're 12 years old about to rehearse for your bar mitzvah. I know this is really hard to listen to, and I apologize. But I'm just saying that, that if this offense really is about finding itself a week ago, and if that run game really is legit, then you'll go out there and you'll put up a decent amount of points on on Saturday. Uh, Let's get one more before we get to Doug Baldwin next segment. Uh, We're going to hear from him and then Ryan Fowler at 4 o'clock with an Alabama perspective on what went wrong, boy, in last night's game. Caleb in Tacoma, you're on the air, Caleb. Go ahead, man. Hey, man, nice to talk to you. One of the the things that... I really think about the Seahawks historically in the playoffs is that the offense and the defense, it's not one or the other. They, they feed off each other. Like when one's doing really well, the other one seems to come up hot. And I think to say that we're relying on one or the other, I think if one of them fails, we're toast. Right. Of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, if the defense uh, uh, doesn't show up and Matt Ryan throws for 500 yards and the Falcons put up 45, then forget about it. And if the offense uh, pulls, a, pulls a Rams or they pull a Dolphins – or they pull a Cardinals like they did in that game down there, and they score nine points, or they pull a Tampa Bay and they score five, then they're done. You're right. I mean, and yeah. your, your point about one side of the ball feeding the other, uh, it's probably a cliche, and it probably applies to every team in the NFL. But I think with this team, maybe more than any, they got to get that run game going to get everything else offensive and defensively to work. For sure. Have to. So can they do it Saturday? Can they run the ball, Caleb, on the Falcons the way they ran the ball on the Lions? I think they will, man. I think they'll, I think they'll pull it out. Wow. All right. Love it. Love the optimism. We're going to break. Doug Baldwin, who had one of the crazier catches of his career, uh, the butt catch, he'll give you a thought on that. Also, why he likes Rogue One better than Episode 7. And was he really that down about taking that touchdown away from Jermaine Curse on Saturday? We'll talk to Doug next on 950 KJR. 
Dave Softy Muller on your home for the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl 51. Seattle's Sports Radio 950, KJR. They're an incredible team, and, and I love the job that Danny's done and, and all that. Um, they're loaded on offense. they got an aggressive group, really good on teams, a lot of tons of playmakers, you know, so it's going to be a really difficult challenge, and, of course, playing there is always hard. But, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't matter. I, I couldn't. I don't care who we play. It doesn't matter when we play them or where we play them. And, and uh happens to be Atlanta. And, you know, we got a lot of work to do. You're telling me if you went to Pete Carroll and said, hey, for some reason Dan Quinn's agreed to this, but he's willing to play the game in Seattle. <laughs> Pete would say, hey, you know what, I, I, I don't care. Whatever. Play it wherever. Uh, okay, fine. We're staying in Atlanta. I don't believe that Pete Carroll would ever lie to us, so yes. Oh, man. Although... It. I, you know, we didn't talk about this. I think he would lie to us, and I think he what? should lie to us. No. Yes, I think there's certain times where a head coach should lie to the media. Can we talk about the How guy about that? that tweeted you the other day? Which one? That said he would rather play Dallas oh my at God. Dallas than Green Bay at home. And how about this? Look, not that not that these are scientific or anybody really cares. Right. But how about the fact that only 75% of the people would rather play at home against Green Bay? That is crazy. How is that not 90 How oh. is it not 100%? That might be something we have well, to talk about later cuz well, I'm stunned. The whole the whole conversation was born because we're talking on Sunday about who we were pulling for in the Packer Giant game. And my my way of looking at it was okay. You pull for the team that you think has the best chance to beat Dallas, right? Sure. Knock off the number one sure. seed. If you win, then you get the game. Obviously, potentially in Seattle, uh, if you beat the two seed. So I still thought going into that game that Green Bay had the better shot of beating Dallas. I think you're probably right yeah. for a lot of reasons. The Giants have beaten them twice this year. It's really hard to beat a team three times in one year. I think the Packers are a different animal than what they were in September, October. So I thought Green Bay had the best chance to beat Dallas. So I was pulling for Green Bay, and that's what happened. So a guy tweets me and says, well, wait a minute. I would rather play Dallas in Dallas <laughs> than Green Bay in Seattle. Oh. So I just, you know, whatever, man. Look, to each their own. Hey, that's... listen, let's go back to the, Hus- to the Husky, the Seahawk locker room. Doug Baldwin had a chance to catch up with him. He was on the floor doing some stretching, he was relaxing, he was taking in the atmosphere. And you bothered him. And I was the guy that started bugging the hell out of him for questions. So here I am with my 12-year-old pre-bar mitzvah puberty voice talking to Doug Baldwin in the locker room before practice this afternoon. Let's just get maybe the annoying question out of the way first. Four years ago, that game down there in Atlanta obviously was a tough one to swallow, but it seemed like it was kind of the impetus for bigger things to come for this football team. How much do you think about that game, and how much does it sit in the back of your head before you head back down there four years later in the in the same setting? It doesn't at all. Yeah. This is a new season four years ago. Um, different teams, different players, so it's not at all. Yeah. What about just the experience that you guys have playing in that dome, in that stadium? Can that be a factor? Can it be a positive for you guys on Saturday? Yeah, I think, I mean, for the, what, 16 guys that are still on the team, eight guys that are still on the team, uh, or whatever it is, yeah, yeah, it might be, you know, oh, we, we've seen this stadium before. That, that might play a factor, but I don't think it's going to play a huge factor. Yeah. 
Doug Pete mentioned today that you guys obviously know each other really well from the game that you played in the regular season. How much do you bank on the tape of that game, and how much do you expect Atlanta to do things differently versus what you saw back in week four? Yeah, you, you utilize the tape to see the different techniques, the different styles of each player, but you know the scheme might be a little bit different because it's playoffs. They're going to throw something different at us, and so you got to be prepared for that. But uh, you can still take away the specific techniques of, of each individual player. What was your take on just the way the offense played overall in that game, kind of looking back on it? And if there are things you want to do better, what are those things? Uh, well, first and foremost, we want to run the ball, you know, effectively and efficiently. we we got to do that, and um, everything else will flow off of that. So uh, we, we had a lot of ups and downs throughout the course of the season. I'm thankful for those because they're preparing us for, you know, the opportunity that we have in front of us. But um, I think the main thing for us to focus on is getting our run game back to where we wanted to be. Yeah. And I know there's, a, there's an obvious answer here, but how much better is this offense when you get the performance you got from the line from Thomas that you got last Saturday? Well, it's huge because, like I said, everything else flows from that. So you have to run game, then we can do the play action, and then they have to bring somebody in the box, and then we're able to get one-on-one matchups on the outside um, and be explosive in the passing game like we like to be. So everything flows from the run game. Where does the where does the butt catch for you against the Lions kind of rank of maybe the wackiest plays you've made in this uh, in this game? It's got to be up there, probably <laughs> number one of the wackiest. Yeah. Have you have you been referring to it as the butt catch yourself, or is there a different name we should be calling it? Uh, I mean, I'm, we haven't discussed it since the game, so yeah. you you guys can come up with all the names gotcha. for it. Gotcha. Doug, just talk to me about the atmosphere around this football team right now. Obviously, you'd rather be at home, but you're here on the road. What's the attitude like and maybe the mood like in this locker room right now before this game? It's nothing different. You know, we've always prepared like it was a championship opportunity, so... Um, you know, for us, the, the younger guys especially, I think they, they've, they've figured it out. They've realized how focused the vets are and what it takes you know, to be locked in at this point. So um, I feel like everybody's focused, but we're still loose. We're still having fun, enjoying the game that we love, but at the same time, we know what's at stake. What have you noticed from just the growth of Paul Richardson and kind of what that game last week could mean for him? Uh, he, you know, it's... It's hard to come in here as a, as a receiver, and especially with the guys that we already have, and, and not get many opportunities and realize that how important those opportunities are once you get them. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of him for being I'm proud of him so, for being so uh, patient and being so willing for uh, those opportunities to come and make the most of them. Because when they did come, you know, like he balled out. Yeah, and it's obvious that you are the older guy in that room of wide receivers. Do you, do you feel like that? Do you feel like kind of a father figure to these kids in that regard? S- somewhat. I mean, not not a father figure, you know. I mean, Older brother, maybe? Yeah, yeah. maybe in that regard. Um, you know, they look to me because they know that I've been there, I've done that. But at the same time, all these guys are more than capable of, of you know, of anything. You know, right. these guys are... We've got so much talent on our team in the receiver position, but there are times when, you know, they ask me for things or, or, or thoughts because I have been there, you know, and, and uh, I'm honored to be in that position. Right. And then, Doug, listening to your comments after the game, we played them on the show yesterday. It, it sounded like you felt genuinely bad about taking that touchdown away from Jermaine Curse. Talk about kind of why you felt that way. Yeah, because, like I said, we, we work so hard as a, as a receiving core, um, and sometimes in games it's really hard to get targets it's really hard to get opportunities especially in the red zone and so you know when something like that happens you feel you know awful about it because we know how precious those opportunities are and uh you know i just 
if I was a, I put myself in his shoes, you know, I'd be I'd be really um, you know disappointed. But uh, so that was the, the the emotional part behind it. Yeah. How did he handle it? He handled it well. I mean, he was you know frustrated because obviously he wanted the touchdown himself, but you know he knows that. Uh, it wasn't on purpose, and that you know sometimes it's, it happens that way when you're playing the game. So um, we're good. Did he did he take one though away from you on fourth and six against the Niners in that championship game, where you're kind of ducking away from him on that on that free play when Eldon Smith jumped off sides? Is this kind of maybe payback? No, it's not payback because in that in that game I was where I wasn't supposed to be ah, again. Okay. So um, you know, luckily that one went to Jermaine, but. Uh, no, nah, that's not payback. Gotcha. Hey, maybe the most important question of all. You hated Episode 7, but you love Rogue One. Why? Uh, because everything played together. I thought all, there, was, there wasn't any missing parts. There was, uh, you know, everything that was supposed to link up did link up. Um, I thought they did a, a wonderful job with Princess Leia and Darth Vader, and they, you know, they brought me back to my, to my roots, and... Uh, I thought that was very difficult to do. I didn't. I felt like they didn't do that in the in was it seven? Right. Um, but they did a really good job of that in Rogue One. Did you watch the uh, Clemson Alabama game last night? Yeah, I did. I watched the, the last part of it. Okay. What'd you make of it? I thought it was a fantastic game. I thought it was it was uh, great for the sport of football, great for the fans, um, and I'm really ecstatic that somebody won it other than Alabama. <laughs> the only guy in this locker room I can talk Star Wars, Seahawks, and college football with. Doug, you're the man. Great stuff, and best of luck Saturday. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Doug Baldwin, who admitted that in the Niner game, you remember the play I'm talking about, no, fourth yeah. and oh, six, yeah. when Hauschka goes out to kind of gauge everything and says, I can't do it, Yeah, walks back to the sideline, and the Seahawks are going for it on fourth and six, and Alden Smith jumps off sides. Russell Wilson takes the snap, knows he has a free play, finds Jermaine Curse in the end zone, but Doug Baldwin's kind of ducking out of the way. Yeah. Same thing that happened against La- Detroit. Obviously, different situation. Doug caught it this time. And Doug's in front of Jermaine, yeah. catches the touchdown. He admits he was in the wrong spot on both plays. Interesting. Both of them. So he lets Jermaine have the first one, but the second one, he says, nah. I'm taking this. This, this one's me, mine. son. This is me, young buck. I'm taking this one. <laughs> 356, Ryan Fowler. What in the world happened to Alabama last night? How about that game? We're going to chat about it, maybe also from a Husky perspective, next on 950 KJR. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.